One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Curzon Film Podcast. This week is our very special London Film Festival review show. I'm Sam Howlett and as always I'm joined by Kelly Powell. Hello. And Jake Cunningham. Hello. And we've left the highs of the studio to the lows of Jake's living room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Filled with depressing greys. Mm. Looks a bit like a Ken Loach film in here at the moment. Yes. Rude. Yeah, it's very beautiful in here. Yeah, it's an extension of my personality. <laughs> <laughs> so how this show is going to work is we're going to talk about some of the best films that we saw at the London Film Festival. And then we're going to hear from some people who work in Curzon Head Office uh, to see what they recommend. Uh, so, Kelly, would you like to kick us off? What did you like at the 62nd BFI London Film Festival? Well... So much to like. Um, but the ones that really stood out for me uh, were Roma. Mm-hmm. as I think that was my favorite of the festival. Okay. I just thought it was so, so moving. I cried a lot. Mm. A lot. And it's spectacular on the big screen. Yes. I mean, it's just spectacular. Uh, so this is Alfonso Cuaron, and we haven't heard from him for five years mm. since Gravity. Um, which I think, Sam, you might remember, was one of the first recorded conversations that we ever did um, in our very first radio show. It was. It was like one of the very, very yeah, earliest yeah. things. That we the saw. Sound Chaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because our second Sound ch- the Sound Chaps, uh, you'd only know if you uh, lived in the Canterbury area yeah. and happened to listen to student radio, <laughs> as I'm sure hundreds of you did, tens. Um, our, our first episode was a superhero <laughs> special. Yeah. Um, and the second episode was the best of the year. Hmm. And we voted Gravity the number one film of the we year. Did, yeah, and because I'm very cool, I had that up there with Upstream Colour yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> film, which I haven't watched since, but I can only assume it's still as good. Uh, but yeah, uh, so we haven't heard from Quaron for five years. And before Gravity, it was uh, like a seven year gap between that and Children of Men. Um, so he takes his time, and I think. He, he's certainly taken his time here and that has led to his most personal film yet. Mm. Really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, such care. You can tell such care went into that story. And even though, like, it, it's slow, it, you just, like, get so enveloped in it, in the mm. in the film. Like, it just uh, got, takes yeah. you on this... Um, yeah. It really, really puts you in, in the time and place that it's set. And, um, and oh. from the first shot, it, it tells you the pace at which you need to consume this story. Yeah. And... What's really interesting about it is that so he, his regular cinematographer is Emmanuel Lubezki, who people will know as like the hat trick winning cinematographer yeah. mm-hmm. of 
uh, was it Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant? Yes. Mm. Uh, and he wasn't available to come and shoot this. So for the first time, Quaron decided to be his own cinematographer. Really uh, good. <laughs> and I think he's going to win an Oscar for yeah. it. Yeah. It's, it's stunning. It, it really is stunning. Yeah. I believe it's it's probably going to the second favourite for Best Picture. It'd be great to see a foreign language yeah. film or a non-English language or a, film. Yeah, a non-English language film and a Netflix film. Mm. I think Netflix really won an Oscar. Yeah. And they're really campaigning hard for this film. Yeah. Um, yeah. For like... Well, I mean, it's not out here for two months. And yeah. We're already getting tube posters for that. And yeah. Mm. Buster Scruggs. Mm. Uh, yeah. Mm. But it's, you know, it, I reckon it could do at best director if if not best picture it could do best director yeah. that's how they they often split it these days yeah um which would be interesting best actress as well people are talking about because the lead actress is relatively unknown it's yeah. her first film Best supporting actress for the actress of the mother oh yeah um yeah cinematography it's all could all production design yeah yeah, yeah. It's a probably yeah. lived-in film. Yeah, yeah. It's weird because I I haven't seen a trailer for it or anything. I haven't seen it yet, and I really can't. I don't really see how it can be that good. Yeah. From just the posters and yeah. everything else, it looks it looks it. very it looks very simple. It, it is, is very but, simple. Okay. Yeah. Right. It is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, it's so captivating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's just a uh, you know it's based uh it's he dedicates it to uh, the woman who yeah. helped bring him yeah. up and it is kind of that story you know um and it, it's contextualized in you know early 70s mexico city and, and it's it's contextualizing his inspirations mm. like there exactly. it, there are very not subtle moments where he's referencing his own work yeah uh, in particular there's a moment with uh with gravity that i think a lot of people don't like but i think if you are doing this love life essay and it is extremely romantic mm. in its form I think that's fine to drop that in there. And yeah. there's a particular scene in an outside cafe, which people that are familiar with Itumama Tambien, mm. and quite a pivotal scene in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where I recognize that from. Yeah, and exactly. it's not in this like meme pooly way. Of, yeah, like, yeah. You get what's going on. It just feel, it feels authentic. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's so moving and touching because it's so, it's the specificity of it really resonates, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous film. You mm. have to try if you can. I know it's coming out on Netflix, and yes, definitely watch it if that's the only way you can. But if you can get it, get to see it in the cinemas, I, I recommend that because you really do just like melt into yeah. it. Yeah, um, there was a film quiz team called E Two Mama Too Furious. I saw online the other day. I thought it was really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jake, what have you seen then apart from um, Roma at the? So, in a, in a very different um, way, uh, sorry, let me do that again, uh, in quite a different experience to Roma, but I want to um, highlight maybe the films that have been the most experiential. Mm-hmm. Like, I think definitely with Roma, it felt like this communal experience mm. of everyone in that room. Um, and I had a really fantastic time at the Family Gala, uh, which I think, I can't remember what it was last year, but prior to that it was Goosebumps and the gala is on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and this year it was Mirai, which is uh, an anime film uh, about a young boy who's uh, just, uh, his parents have just had another baby, mm-hmm. a little girl called Mirai. And he's very jealous of the baby. And he kind of wanders around the house. He's very angry and stubborn. And then in one of his fits, he kind of stomps his feet and the house turns into a medieval forest. And the spirit of their dog has become a knight. And uh, <laughs> then, like, Mirai from the future is also there. And it's all just, like, this yeah. weird time travel just to kind of set alongside him having to get used to the fact that his family is no longer him. Mm. Mm. Um, 
and it's it's really lovely and the final 20 minutes are this incredible hybrid of flat 2d uh, traditional animation and new 3d and there's a swooping 3d tracking shot through a futuristic japanese train mm. station and i saw this at the imax and mm. it was the most surreal thing because it's when that camera started moving it felt like being in a 3d film mm. but not not wearing any glasses, glasses or anything yeah. like the way that james cameron talks about this is where 3d is going to go like that is the closest i've had wow. to that experience uh, mm. and so coming out of the festival we like that as a single pinpointing a single moment of the effectiveness of cinema yeah. mm. that felt like that and also that was sold out and most of the crowd was probably or like at least 50% of the crowd yeah. were 10 year old kids oh, wow. and like birthday parties and stuff yeah. and no one's making a fuss no one's screaming no one's throwing their popcorn yeah. around just completely captivated wow. and the plot was like I, there was a bits of the plot that I missed and there were sh- sharper kids than me uh, who were like yeah. just like saying the plot out loud as, as kids do yeah, or yeah. saying to their parents like why isn't he doing that and one of them did that I was like oh that's what's going on <laughs> <laughs> great okay yeah. thank you <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, really enjoyed Mirai. And I think that's coming out fairly soon. Okay. In November. Yeah. Well, me and Kelly went to a double bill where there were definitely no kids present. <laughs> so we saw uh, Vox Lux, yeah. which is the new Brady Corbet film. I think when he was an actor, it was Brady Corbett. But now he's a director. He's Brady Corbet. Mm. Uh, and he is Brady Corbet. Very good. He is a Brady Corbet. Yeah, he is. Um, this is his second film. So he's an actor, now a director. He made his debut a few years ago with Childhood of a Leader. Which did is very, very, We did. Very impressive debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is follow-up Vox Lux, which is about a young girl in early 2000s who survives a violent tragedy yeah and then when she is videoed singing a song at a funeral it goes viral and this launches her career as a pop star uh so the first half you see um her as a young girl played by Rafi cassidy who you'll know from killing of a sacred deer tomorrowland yeah Uh, and she's very good yeah she's very very Uh, her sister is stacy martin who you'll know from nymphomaniac Yes. And the childhood of a leader. Mm. Um, and that's the first half. And then the second half, the film is in two acts, essentially. Yeah. Mm, uh, five acts, but... I think it's got like a prologue, act one, act two. Yeah. Act, oh, yeah. It goes to five, but... Um, and it jumps to five. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's weird. I think so. Um, but yeah, it's, it's set... It, the, it, the, the beginning is set on in 1999 on yeah. the cusp of the new millennium, basically. And this tragedy happens... Um, and it kind of sets the tone for her, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a pivotal moment in her development as, yeah. like, as a human being. Um, and you can see that, I mean, he even, because exp- there was a Q&A afterwards with him. Um, and he described it as, she's, she's essentially not the same person from, mm. uh, you know, the teenage her and uh, the older her played by Natalie Portman. Yeah. Um, who's who's a superstar and um, um, yeah, she's definitely changed in a in a major way from one one half to the other, yeah. um, and it kind of tracks you know the the years through the new millennium into now now yeah. present present and it's, time. It's all kind of about the sort of how celebrity culture is like seen as like import as important as major events in history. 
yeah in a way it's kind of about the sort of yeah the tension between those things yeah. and natalie portman's performance and rafi cassidy's performance they're both incredible yeah. it feels like they're playing two different characters which i think is the point yes and the first half is very kind of almost naturalistic in the yeah. way it looks and the second half is so colorful and yeah. big and loud yeah. and yeah loud i um, think is the word and it ends with a really long performance at a massive stadium yeah and it's really it's i think that's the best part actually for me oh really i really enjoyed that last year i don't know i didn't know how i was meant to be feeling it was like a strange um a it's strange a weird it's a weird ending. film definitely it's a weird film but i think it's definitely it, it like asks asks you to question what he's trying to do which yeah. i think sometimes the best films do like you have to go away and think about what he what he was trying to do and i think the the q a afterwards was great because he, he obviously he's brought up things that you out that made me think even more you know like he was saying that every, these days the way that people consume news and events as though it is like mm. flipping through a tabloid magazine and of these celebrities that's just you know you know, you scroll through and it's like, oh, 500 dead in this tragedy. And like, oh, okay, what? Oh, and uh, Kanye West has Kanye West has the designed these new of, shoes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, Yeah. So, um, yeah, int- very interesting film. Yeah. So we saw that and then we immediately went to see the new S. Craig Zala film, Dragged Across Concrete, <laughs> yeah. uh, starring Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson as two detectives who are suspended after they're filmed being too brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they try and... M- make some money outside the law mm-hmm. by robbing a criminal and it goes slightly wrong right. and takes an unexpected unexpected turn yeah um so s craig zala this is his third film and all three of his films have been shown at london film festival so he did bone tomahawk with um kurt russell and richard jenkins and matthew fox really great weird horror western mm. he did brawl in Sobok 99 with vince vaughn where vince vaughn just beats the hell out of everyone um and now this and all three films are extremely violent and extremely slow yeah really but weirdly paced brilliantly paced, brilliantly I paced think, yeah. i think you know it's it's a somewhat problematic film yeah, in yeah. many respects mm-hmm, and i think mm-hmm. without going too much into it i think you can understand why it's a problematic film from the, from the cast. From, from the, the cast. cast, yeah. yeah. Like, well, yeah. Mel Gibson is in it. Well, the fact that Mel Gibson plays a character who's video doing something slightly <laughs> racist, racist. Yeah. The, and the, then the, having to kind of deal with that. and But it's, a, it's like a satire on that identity kind, as well. Yeah. He's, 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 like, he's I think playing into the director. The director, the director has doing, said, yeah. like, oh, I just hired Mel Gibson because he's a good actor. Mm. Yeah. I think you can no. do that anymore. I think... If you're hiring Mel Gibson to play this part, you know what you're, you're doing. Saying you're saying something. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's that identity of... It's just a really interesting film. And I think, but if, I think putting that, the problematic aspects aside, it's a really great thriller. It really, is. really pulpy. Yeah. But it's kind of pulpy, but really well paced. It's not like yeah. just full on action. It's really, it's, inc- it's so glacial. Glacial, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I really like Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn <laughs> I love is great Vince Vaughn. in it. I mean, they're, they're great as a duo. Yeah, well, they yeah. work really well together. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but I mean, it, it's just it's just kind of interesting, and you, it's just kind of like I can't believe I'm watching a film that Mel Gibson is in, and mm. he's saying these things and doing these things. Yeah. There's a kind of self awareness. You, you kind of yeah. know it's wrong, but you kind of can't take your eyes off it at the same time. Yeah. It's and S. Craig Zahler is a really interesting director. Yeah. Um, he is. Yeah. He is. And he had some interesting things to say as well in the Q and A afterwards. So, do you have anything else you guys want to you're gonna want to bring up 
that you've seen at the festival this year that you're looking forward to coming out and talking more about? Um, I think I've, I was greatly affected by If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah. Um, I kind of had a bit of a moment after mm-hmm. that and found myself uh, still... Like, I, like It's easy to be manipulated in the screen, yeah. in the moment, into tears and whatnot. Um, uh, I think the real tell of the kind of emotional power of a film comes when that moment still hits you later on mm. and like just walking through like down an escalator or yeah. across a foyer and then just suddenly remembering a moment and then just it, like, as if I was like back in the room yeah mm. with that um Powerful. yeah um and I, I want to like go like a lot further into that film and I will be doing an episode yes. in, so in the new year yeah um where hopefully quite a few more of us will have mm. seen it yes. and we can get into that but uh, I think that's a really incredible piece of work and uh Barry Jenkins oh. like the fact that it's it feels like Moonlight only just came out and then yeah, he's yeah. not only made another film but another one that is just so powerful <laughs> so yeah. quickly. It's yeah. amazing. Well, it was about this time two years ago that uh, Moonlight was just slowly starting to... People suddenly be like, Moonlight could win Best Picture. Mm. Yeah. People were just suddenly realising that Moonlight yeah. was actually a bigger film than we thought. Because yeah. when it was at LFF, it was sort of, sort of... It was quietly shown. It was in the first... It was it was the press well, screen well, before even... even, even... In the, the, I think... The, Beale Street's had the same treatment. Like, yeah. um, kind of quietly coming when, out. We went yeah. to the Slate yeah. presentation for the festival, and when and then like Beale Street was on a slide with six other films. Yeah, and it was a bit like, and also if Beale Street could talk, like, if you've got that film, you yeah, need to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought, well, maybe that's not a good sign. Maybe they don't actually think it's very good or something. Like they're, they're mm. kind of just saying we got the new Barry Jenkins. Yeah, but. It is very good. Mm. <laughs> it's mm. really good. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I really like him as a filmmaker. He's got yeah. s- such a strong point of view. And yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, the way that he works with faces is mm. incredible. Mm. Like, a lot of this film is just people looking into camera, which initially was, is quite a disconcerting thing we're not used to. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then it makes me think of like cheesy bits like the end of The Revenant and things like that, when people <laughs> look, look into camera. But this doesn't feel gimmicky at all. This yeah. really feels like you are looking into the eyes of real people yeah, yeah yeah i can't wait to see that film yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh kelly you've been doing you've been talking to a lot of famous people haven't you i have yeah do you want to talk about some of the famous people you've been talking to yeah, and yeah. some of the famous people we're going to be having on the show in the next year yeah um it was me uh steven also spoke to a couple of yeah. good famous oaks <laughs> that was very south african sorry um and uh, i think alice also did one yes so i and jake, and jake oh sorry jake you also did you were you squeezed one in yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah so i did um i did four interviews but um i so i spoke to uh, paul dano mm-hmm. for wildlife um and that was that was really uh, interesting and we we really delved deep into the into the film great film as well uh, uh, one that yeah. also stands out that, for me that's only in a few weeks time that yeah it's coming out soon yeah exactly um definitely one to go go check out on the big screen day not miss it <sighs> oh good yeah, that's all right yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, nice. well done um yeah paul dano um i spoke to jason reitman for the front runner is he the right man for the job he's yeah. the right man for the job <laughs> two for two two for two <laughs> um yeah that was also great to speak to him he's a, he a lovely chap um, and the front runner is really, really good film. Mm. Um, I really, really like that film. Um, and I spoke to Maggie Gyllenhaal for the Kindergarten Teacher. Maggie Gyllenhaal of Fame. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no, that one. <laughs> I missed it. Good, good effort. Though. <laughs> yeah, she she was great, and we spoke a lot about um, her character in the Kindergarten Teacher, um, and the role of women, um, uh, you know, in art and mm-hmm. and um, 
and that's a very interesting character exploration that film uh, does kind of suck you in uh, <laughs> sucks you in uh, to her point of view and you go on this sort of um, ride with her mm. um, and I spoke to uh, some of the team from Only You um, it's a new independent uh, British drama mm. coming out soon. So that was made by the Bureau. Uh, yes. I think they worked on 45 Years they, as well. Yeah. Like, no, no, Lean on Pete. Yeah. Or maybe 45 Years as well, but Lean on Pete, definitely. Mm. Um, yeah, they've, they've had some big some big things out. Mm. Yeah, and this has got uh, Josh O'Connor from God's Own Country, and yeah. who is just, uh, yeah. uh, as an upcoming Brit actor at the moment, he's yeah. so exciting. He's yeah. going to be in Les Mis in the West End this year. Is he? Oh, mm. Who's he going to be? Probably... Um, Marius, I imagine. Okay. He's quite a good Marius. Yeah, he can fit Marius. Um, and he's going to be Princess Charles. Yes, he is, he in, is the in the crown. crown. Yeah. 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 I think that, well, that show is so big internationally. Yeah. Like, I think That's gonna this, this him, might be right? the yeah. last time we see him in a small yeah, I yeah. Think so. British film. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and Le- Laia Costa, is that how you yeah, say it? Laia Victoria. Costa. Mm. Yeah, from Victoria. And she's also in another film at the festival this year, um, Life Itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and along with all of that, we've still got uh, other interviews with uh, the likes of David Lowry for The Old Man of the Gun, uh, Peter Strickland for In Fabric, and uh, we've also got Mark Gatiss talking about The Favourite. And so really excited to put all of those interviews out there down the line. Um, but I think maybe it's time to hear from a few folks. Um, actually, and one special guest, which is Hannah Ryan, who listeners of the show might remember emailed in with her Mamma Mia review a few months ago and then just uh, popped us another email saying she was in town. Uh, would love to meet up. So we had a quick chat about some of her favourites from the festival too. <laughs> So I'm sat on the floor of the <laughs> cinema uh, trying to put together a, a brief interview with Hannah Ryan um, for the Curzon podcast here. Uh, so Hannah emailed us a few months ago with a fantastic review of Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Um, that was for Much Ado About Cinema. So uh, fa- re- listeners might remember it. Uh, if you don't go back to that episode and hunt out the link in the description, you can read that review. Uh, and before the festival, Hannah got in touch to see if uh, if anyone was going to be about to have a chat. And uh, luckily, we'd be able to pin down a few minutes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And this, Hannah, is your first London Film Festival. It is. And it's been a whirlwind so far. Uh, I've never quite experienced a week like this. I feel like I was just saying to you, I feel like I'm trapped in a a constant state of lucidity. (laughs) Yeah, um, I said that I, I, this year I'm maybe not as being as maniacal mm. I have done in the past. That uh, <laughs> I, In previous years I've been known to 
do the three three press screenings in the day and then a, <laughs> then an evening one as well and i haven't been quite as harsh on my eyes mm. this year um but as an experience for yourself uh, it, it can be fantastic but mm. at times a bit draining as well it can be overwhelming yeah. yeah and sometimes i think it's nicer to just see one film a day and let it sit with you mm. um you know to to write better or to talk about it better to kind of let it wash over you rather than sort of be like because i was at the beginning of the week i was like well i have to see this this and this yes. but sometimes it's just like okay well i'll see this and then maybe i'll see this later it's 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 nice to take to take a break from it for a bit yeah okay well let, let's um let's talk about those ones that have washed over okay you. what are those ones that have really stuck so the one that i can't stop thinking about is suspiria right. has been with me since gosh when did it show now was it Tuesday morning? It was, yeah. Um, I really haven't been able to stop thinking about it, stop listening to the score, um, stop reading about it. It's <laughs> it's really sort of captivated me, and I feel completely transfixed by it. I just adored it from start to finish, and can't wait for more people to see it so I can get involved in a lot of discussion of it. Did you see it? I did, yeah. I really liked Suspiria. Yeah. I think it's. Um, I think maybe it's been given. Uh, more serious coverage than the film intentionally is I, made to yeah, be. I, I think agree. it's the film's having a lot more fun yeah. than some critics might want you to believe it is having. It's very knowingly ridiculous. Mm. Like parts of it are just absolutely absurd, mm. and the humour in there is really intentional. Yeah. Um, but yet the trailers and the way it's being marketed and the way some critics are talking about it is, it is serious, but it forgets how much humour there is in it and how it's very self-aware. Yeah. Which I really like. I don't think you put. Tilda Swinton or Lord Zabedorf in, <laughs> in all of that makeup when you're making a completely straight line? No, film. definitely not. Why go to all that sort of hassle of the mm. whole Lord Zabedorf um, sort of thing to just for it to be completely serious? And I think like um, Luca knew exactly what he was doing mm. with that, which I really admire. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited to to watch that one again. And Me no, too. I've, I've said on the podcast before how much. I feel like when a film treads over 90 minutes, it's mm. really got to earn every minute after yeah. that. And this is amazing that this, I'm, I'm talking about a film that I think is actually a bit of fun, but <laughs> it's two and a half hours long. Yeah. It never really works, but somehow it does in this yeah, case. Yeah, I was thinking that. Um, not once did I check my watch or anything mm. like that. It just, the pacing is really brilliant in it because it just, it, it blasts through. Like mm. There was never a point where I was bored or where I felt like it was slogging through. It's just, it didn't feel like two and a half hours. It went, to me, it went really quickly. And I think it invites rewatches. I can't wait to sort of see it again. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so that's the spirit, yeah. yeah. Um, what other ones are you, have I, you been really enjoying or you can't wait to see again? Uh, the favourite, I think, is yeah. so instantly rewatchable. Mm. I just know already that I can rewatch it again and again and again and yeah. sort of not pro probably not get sick of it. Um, so that was this morning, so that's really fresh in my mind. Um, I like... Yorgos Lanthimos anyway um, and again it's this similar to uh, Suspiria you know it, it's sort of serious in, in parts it's more of a tragic comedy than anything mm. I found but it's just it's so bizarre um, and I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed Emma Stone in it yeah she was I mean all three leads so Olivia Coleman and Rachel Weisz as well are all are all brilliant but there was something about Emma Stone's performance that just that really stuck with me because it was so unlike anything else I've ever seen her in mm. what about you well um I th Emma Stone is amazing in this film and I think it's um complemented by this really interesting use of a fisheye or wide angle lens on mm. the film oh I think yeah she's got such an expressive face she's got those amazing wide eyes mm. and once that distorting lens drifts onto her 
you can't look away. I no. Think. And it, it lights up every space in it. And it, like, it's quite a gaudy film. Mm. It's quite dark in places. It's yeah. a lot of natural light. And so it's not like um, they use they can spotlight her like a mm. La La Land to really point mm. focus using that way in any artificial sense. It's really using the characters and the performances to draw you in. Yeah. Uh, there were some like yeah. real lingering shots on her face that mm. seemed to sort of go on forever. Mm. And in that, you could see so much without, you know, in a single expression. I think you're, you're so right about her expressions. She mm. really excels in that. Yeah. I loved it. I love the favourite. Yeah. I am. Um I was <laughs> surprised how much I, I liked it. I don't, I'm not huge on Lanthimos. I no. wasn't very keen on uh, Sacred Deer. I thought it, uh, there was a lot of it I found quite hypnotic and disturbing, mm. but it wasn't one that I felt like I must revisit this mm. straight away um, because I found it like quite torturous in a way. Yeah. Um, but it's the really favorite. Macabre, fa- isn't it? Yeah. The favorite, I think you'd almost, the word that comes to mind is delicious. Yeah. Like, it, it is a feast. It uh, is, yeah. It's just it's it's a romp is mm. is one of the only other ways I can think to describe it. I just have so much fun with it and it's it's so accessible. Um, so like if you wanted to introduce someone to Lanthimos, I would start with the favourite and then maybe something like the lobster and then I would move them towards Dogtooth. <laughs> yes, uh, and really interestingly, it's it's the first time he's he's adapted work not of his own script. Yeah. Um, but there's something something in it that is inescapably lanthy yeah. Um and he's he's doing a fantastic job in managing to create this. Uh, this grammar for his directorial yeah. style, mm. uh, even when his name might not be on it in mm. every sense. As usual, that dialogue will become, in years to come, hopefully we'll come up with a term for it, Lanthimosian. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a, a way we could phrase that, but that dialogue is so distinct, mm. um, and it was really fun to see. I really loved it. I think it, I think it will probably end up being a big award contender. Yeah. Surprisingly, a bit, little bit out of left field. Mm. But I think I think he's always been on that board. I know Sacred uh, Deer had stuff that never yeah. quite hit on that award schedule, but there was definitely talk of it came mm. out of Cannes with that original screenplay award. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the favourite will do really yeah, well. Yeah, me um, too. Uh, so that's a, those are two big gala films there. Yeah. I'm wondering uh, off of the galas uh, into the maybe other, other selection of films, mm-hmm. any smaller highlights that you'd so draw attention to? In Fabric... Um, mm. I found really interesting. I didn't, at first, I really didn't know what to make of it because um, I like Peter Strickland. I really enjoyed the Duke of Burgundy. So I went into it sort of expecting something similar. Um, did you, you, ca- you caught in Fabric? I'm I did not. No. no. Um, you should. It's, it's a real surprise. Like, yeah. it didn't always work for me, but when it did work, it really worked. It was hilarious in part. It's the only possible way I can think to describe it is Phantom Thread as an absurdist British comedy. Fantastic. It's yeah. That's exactly what In Fabric is. It was a real treat. It was a real surprise. Um, and if you're looking for something really unusual um, and really unique in its tone, I would have a look at In Fabric. Brilliant. Well, I mean, as a preview for podcast listeners, uh, I do know an interview has already been recorded with Peter Strickland. Mm-hmm. Recorded on the day we're recording this, actually. Oh. And recorded at... 11 a.m. and Strickland requested a nice bottle of red to go with the recording. <laughs> that sounds, from his movies, that sounds like something, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Brilliant. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on it's and okay. talking about your favourite LFF films. Yeah, it's been a blast. Thanks Cheers. for having me. Cheers. All right, we're now joined by Jack Packham from Artificial Eye. Welcome. Oh, hi. How are you doing? Uh, good. So uh, what have you seen at LFF this year? What would you recommend? So on Friday, I managed to catch uh, Diamantino mm-hmm. um, to a pretty packed out screening of that. It's in the Experimenta strand. Yep. Uh, and I have to say it's mind-blowing. It's a, it's a special 
special film. <laughs> it belongs in the experimental strand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's um, it's a it's a real rarity. Uh, I'm tr- I was trying to think of like comparisons between the two and like it, with anything else, and it's somewhere between like Dogtooth meets um, Zoolander. <laughs> it's just it's wild. Okay, because yeah, I, I remember hearing about it um, in Cannes, and all I know is that it's a, a film about a footballer, and there's 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 giant dogs. It, it touches yeah. on a bit of everything from uh, from populism to fascism to uh, to just yeah to fluffy dogs yeah. to uh, gender fluidity between police officers. It's it has <laughs> it has a bit of everything. But, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think like, the, the, the the thing to, to keep an eye out for is the fluffy dogs that uh, work as a. I, I don't really want to spoil it too much by talking about it like in depth. But um, so essentially, Diamantino is a world class football football player. They draw, I think this would be a heavy comparison with, I'm, I'm not a football fan, but okay. it's, it's a heavy comparison with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, although they, they try and draw away from that a little bit. Yeah. But um, essentially when he plays football, he enters into like a trance where he uh, sees giant fluffy dogs right. and not rival players and okay. is essentially untouchable. Um, and then uh, from that, and, uh, and the film starts with him being distracted with uh, what's good in the midst of the refugee crisis. The night before his yeah. Russia 2018 game, uh, he sees some arrivals there and it uh, throws him off his, it ruins his mojo. <laughs> and this film's about him trying to find his place after that. Yeah. Well, okay. That seems bizarre. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, like, there's finally this sort of tangible link between people who like art house cinema yeah. and people who like football. Yeah. Because that, that hasn't really existed before. <laughs> but also, similarly with this bizarre sense of humour, which yeah. is, I mean, it, it, to call it niche is like one thing, but then to say the elements that it touches on are all quite like, there's something for everyone in this. Yeah. Uh, the Everyone in the screening was like at one point, like just in laughter, either on their own at one particular bit they found funny yeah, yeah. or all in unison at like the general, how the jokes landed. But yeah, I mean, it, I think it's the only... For a long time, maybe the only Portuguese film I've seen. In the film. Oh, well, yeah. okay. So I think that's, it's, it's a weird thing to think about, like just on that side of it being like, oh, I could, there's like nothing from that sphere you can compare it yeah. to on any level, I think. Wow. So, so, yeah, it's interesting that you can come away from a film and not it not remind you of anything. Yeah. I feel like it's, I kind of feel like that's what that strand was set aside right, to do. It's yeah. like, come on, let's, let's find something here that is just going to knock people's socks off. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it succeeded. Great. Okay. Uh, Diamantino. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot, Jack. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks. Okay, and we're now joined by Margot David Fernandez from Curzon's marketing team. Hello. Hello. Um, so what have you seen at LFF this year that you really enjoyed? Um, so on Friday, I went to see Burning. Yeah. So that was a Lee Chandong film, mm-hmm. uh, um, South Korean yeah. thriller. Um, so yeah, that was the, that was quite interesting. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> I was very baffled at the end of the film. Okay, and I think um, oh, the people I was with were yeah. also quite baffled. Yeah, uh, been thinking a lot about it over the weekend. Uh, so it's um, it's based on a Murakami short story. Okay. And uh, I read the short story over the, the weekend because I needed more, yeah. more elements, I think. Uh, but um, uh, but to be said, like, the, the short story is very simplistic. Like, there's, no, there's not a lot of mm. details, there's no names. Uh, the film adds, obviously, like names and mm. uh, a lot more background details okay. to the character. It's quite a long film, it's two hours and a mm. half. Um, so it also adds a lot around like, of Korean society, so mm-hmm. the original yeah. 
um, Murakami stories based in Tokyo, so there's like these different love characters a bit younger, I think, in the film. So there's um, a lot more focus on like the youth culture of, uh, of South Korean society, so there's like, a lot more elements, but they kind of throw you off like, the mm. main storyline. Because I remember this, it was at Cannes, and it was it was the favourite to win the Palme d'Or for a while. Yeah. Yeah, and that Shoplifters obviously won that. Yeah. But this has been, there's a lot of hype around this film. Yeah. And a lot of people that I know saw it at Cannes and made sure they saw it again at um, LFF because they loved it so much. And they said there's there's so much to unpack. And like, as you say, like you it felt like you had to read the short story yeah. just to, to get more from it. Yeah, there's a lot to it. And uh, I haven't read, like, the short story is originally uh, based on the William Faulkner short story as well, but, oh, which I haven't okay, read. Yeah. So it's like, uh, there's reference to William Faulkner in the film mm, as well. Yeah. It's reference to Murakami's work. Uh, there's like, the cat, like, it's yeah. kind of a constant. Uh, but um, it's quite, there's a lot of like, small details and it's always throwing you off the, yeah. the main plot and you're like, Ooh, you're kind of waiting all, all the time, like trying to see like, is this something, mm. <laughs> is this important? Yeah, yeah. And in the end, you don't really get an answer, I think. So um, it's very much open to interpretation. It's very mm. much around films of obsession. Um, it's this big mystery around yeah. those characters. Um, you, you doubt everything. Okay. And you end up like, doubting everything like a long time yeah, after. Yeah. It's going to like make you think about it like for a long time. For yeah. Sure. It was in these in the thriller sort of section of the festival, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, yeah. It was it was a thrill gala um, on Friday. I don't know if I would have like uh, really described it as a thriller because okay. there's like there's it's very mysterious. It's more like mystery than thriller. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not there's not really like a, a, a climax of tension or anything. Right, it's, right. Uh, it's, it's very like, quiet film. It's quite slow and. Um, it's yeah. always so you're always expecting like I guess the tension is there it's like you're always expecting that something is going to make you go oh my god and uh, like some little things do at some point mm. and then you and then when, then when you go oh no actually no it's yeah. probably not <laughs> okay so yeah it's very it's very interesting like, it's very, yeah. very tr- interesting okay tech. well I can't wait to see it like, like I said I've been hearing about it for months about how great it is and it seems really interesting yeah so I'm really looking forward to that one yeah, I mean, like, yeah, we've been talking about a lot about it this morning with everyone who was there to watch it as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the talk of the office yeah, this morning, yeah, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> so, um, I think people will enjoy it. I, yeah. think, it's a, I think, yeah, you know, it's, people are go, it's going to make you think and uh, make you talk about it and make you want to go deeper and make you want to understand it. Mm. Oh, great. Well, Margot, thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank thank you. Okay, and regular podcast contributor Ryan Hewitt joins us now. Uh, Ryan, what have you seen at LFF this year that you really liked? I've seen a number of films, Sam, yeah. but, but one that sticks out in my mind is Ash's Purest White mm-hmm. by Jia Zhongka, yeah. a Chinese filmmaker who many people may know from A Touch of Sin or Still Life, Mountains Made yeah. Apart, most recently. Um, it's a film that really, it centers around a female protagonist, a really, really strong character. Yeah. She is, I guess, the mole to a gangster who lives in a, a working class community in China. Yeah. And they kind of run the place. And then a few other heavies try and move in on their territory right. yeah. and try to take a few people out. And there's a, a really remarkable scene of uh, one moment of martial arts in this film. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, but it's brilliant. Okay. It's absolutely fantastically choreographed and entirely believable in an otherwise very realistic film. Yeah. There's none of like overly choreographed acrobatics it feels so grounded yeah. and you believe that everyone involved no one's like jumping on a, on a no not at all yeah it's so sort of it's so steady mm. and it's so, so much tension in it and uh and anyway basically what happens is uh her boyfriend is attacked right and he's not gonna win the fight yeah and she picks up a gun, she goes out into the street, she fires the gun into the air and scares everybody mm -hmm. off, but is therefore implicated in a crime for carrying a weapon and right. discharging a weapon in public. It's not her gun. She though decides to take the fall for the crime mm -hmm. and she spends several years in prison okay. so that her boyfriend doesn't have to face yeah. any kind of charges. Uh, she does this through loyalty, a really deep and... Uh, a loyalty that's very feels like it very much part of the traditions that she's brought yeah. up in that you don't like rat on anyone that you take the blame for things if you're implicated and you kind of just face up to it all under the understanding that when she gets out of prison mm. her boyfriend will be waiting for her but he's very much gone right he's just disappeared off the face of the earth started a new life doesn't want anything to do with her okay and so what happens is she sort of i suppose in a really quiet revenge wants to just confront him and make him accountable for having yeah. been disloyal and she does so in the most ingenious ways where she is just completely self-sufficient and she goes around and she extorts men who have been cheating on their wives yeah. and tricks them into giving her money so that she can pay to get to the next part of her journey <laughs> yeah. and she you know uses all the people and all these guys who there's like a, there's like a taxi driver who tries to hit on her and uh, she just steals his bike and completely ruins him. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. She's completely empowered throughout all the while riding on this sense of personal injustice and wanting to hold her ex-boyfriend to account and ultimately remains the most fiercely loyal mm. person despite it all and really shows everyone around her up for being completely untrustworthy. Yeah. And it's a very gentle film. It's it, 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 apart from the the moment of violence, yeah. which is quite striking and quite stark. It's otherwise really poetic and it's really okay. slow and meditative and all those kinds yeah. of things. But it's at the heart of it, just got this brilliant central lead, and you, you can't take. We are with her the whole way. Yeah. You can't take her out your eyes off her. She's completely captivating. There's times when she sort of looks like. She looks a bit like Mia Wallace at times. She's got this bob, okay. yeah, really yeah. striking look. And, and the film moves between feeling like, well, certainly a Westerner's a stereotypical idea of what rural China might mm. be like. And then it goes into really modern moments in discos when you've got people dancing to YMCA yeah. and it feels so contemporary. And, yeah, and yeah. there's lots of contemporary pop music. Right. And a couple of songs that re repeat themselves throughout and seem to be conveying a kind of a message about enduring love okay and uh how hard it is to hold on to it and how people like her will fight for it and, and others will just run at the first yeah. sign of trouble it's it's a really terrific film actually and but but all because of this central character yeah and performance uh, yeah, yeah yeah it's remarkable and it's it's really it's really stayed with me actually since of all the films I've seen at the at the festival I think it's the one that's lingered the most okay. and has grown the most all around just realizing how like, original she feels yeah, yeah.
Great. That yeah. sounds that sounds really sounds like a really good film actually. Yeah. It is good. I'd yeah. really highly recommend it. I think New Wave are releasing it. Okay. In the UK. No, I can't wait for that. And uh, I would check it out. Yeah. Great. Cheers, Ryan. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Okay, so thank you to everyone who's come on the show and spoke about their favourite films. The podcast is out every Friday. If you and if you sometimes earlier, sometimes earlier. How lazy I'm being. <laughs> <laughs> right, it will definitely be there on Friday. Yes. Um, and if you saw anything at uh, the London Film Festival and would like us to read your thoughts out on air, uh, you can do so by emailing podcast at curzon.com or finding us on Twitter where we are at Curzon Cinemas. Um, so that is goodbye from Jake. Goodbye. Goodbye from Kelly. Bye-bye. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.